Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. And I'm Brittany. And this week we're going to be discussing Harry Potter through the theme of fear. (gasps) Gasp. So before we get started, what's a fear that you have that's kind of like a guilty fear, something that that has no logical foundation, but uh, you, you still maintain that fear? I think certain bugs, like spiders, if they're not poisonous, I shouldn't really be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. I'm what, hopefully over a hundred times bigger than this thing, mm-hmm. but they still freak me out and I can't sleep if one gets away <laughs> and it's in my room and it hasn't been found and ended. Ended. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yep. Yep. But when I was a kid, I actually liked a lot of bugs. I don't think I ever liked spiders, but I liked a fair amount of insects. And then I grew up and somehow it's still really creepy and I don't like them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think there's some things, though, that, that as you grow older, you become more afraid of. <laughs> I know. I mean, some things it's logical, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm in gymnastics as a kid and I'm just going to do like flips. And when you're an adult, you're like, it could severely hurt myself. Mm-hmm. But again, non-poisonous bugs aren't really that yeah, case. Yeah, it's not going to do much. Yep. Yeah. What, what about you? Mine's kind of in the same vein, but to take it a further step of like illogicality mm-hmm. is um, the idea of giant insects. Oh, yeah. You hate that. <laughs> it, anything like dog size or larger that's <laughs> insect-like is just no. Like it's... I would give up at that point. If if all of a sudden, like, giant spiders or giant ants came up from underground or, or some nonsense like that, I would just, like, give up. I'd be like, I'm done. They win. Okay, no more. But, like, what does that mean? You just, like, lock yourself in a room and starve to death? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, that's that's something that I would I would not do well with at all. Yeah, you don't do well with. Shelob and Aragog. Mm-mm, no, no, no. <laughs> Not a fan. Well, we've got a quote today to get us started. Um, this quote is from Book 5, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Chapter 23, Christmas on the Closed Ward, where uh, Harry has just heard from some of the adults that they think that it's possible he's being possessed by Voldemort. Overheard. <laughs> yes. He's not supposed to know this information. Yeah, extendable ears at work. <laughs> I'm the weapon, Harry thought. And it was as though poison were pumping through his veins, chilling him, bringing him out in a sweat as he swayed with the train through a dark tunnel. Which is exactly how I feel when I see a spider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do like this because I think that it, it is one of the few times in the books that we see that kind of visceral fear um mm-hmm. taking someone um and the like physical or or metaphorical kind of feelings that that you feel when your body has that kind of intense fear and and terror you know yeah. so much of the books harry doesn't know enough to be scared yeah and here i think it's it's really powerful to see him him actually feel that that fear yeah it's interesting because i feel like harry oftentimes isn't super afraid of like fear of the unknown Mm. or fear of like other things as much as he is afraid of himself Mm. and yeah i think that's when he gets like his most intense reaction to fear 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I believe you'll be starting us off with a character this time. No, you're a character. I'm a character. Did you forget that? I did forget that. But <laughs> I have one ready, but I just don't know how, how to do things. Podcasting's hard, folks. <laughs> <laughs> For some of us. <laughs> I will start us off with a character. Yeah, you do that. So the character that I'm starting us off with is Remus Lupin. Yes, a very good choice. Yeah, because I think that, that Lupin is such is a character who, like, I love and I respect so much. And you kind of are meant to, I think, respect and, and admire him in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, he's arguably the best Defense Against the Dark, dark Arts teacher they get, you know. Yeah. But he also lives a life of fear. Mm-hmm. And he's so controlled by fear in, in a lot of what he does. You know, he decides to leave Hogwarts because of the fear of families, you know, writing in to 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 say to complain about him, you know. And and I'm sure that this is this is based off of experience of For being sure. a werewolf and being persecuted because of that. But he, I think, definitely, you know, I, I compare it to Hagrid in Book Four when it comes out that he's half giant, where mm-hmm. he also has that fear, obviously, and, and that upsetness about, about being outed and in that way. But Dumbledore is able to talk him down, you know, and he, he kind of does say, like, you know, I've been, I've been being ridiculous and I need to just, you know, do my job. Dumbledore has faith in me, I should do it. Mm-hmm. And even though Dumbledore tries to do the same for Lupin, or, or so it seems, he does still leave. Mm-hmm. And... I think the other big decision that I see him him kind of being ruled by fear is in book seven, when he comes to Grimald Place and he basically tries to come along with the trio and Harry after, after Teddy's born. Mm-hmm. And Harry has to be like, no, you need to be home with your child and your wife. And Harry kind of calls him out for being afraid and being, you know, absent because he thinks that he's not going to be a good father, right? Same reason why he wasn't with Tonks in the first place when she wanted him to be in book six, you know, where he felt like he was too old and that he was a werewolf and that that was, you know, going to be terrible for his family and for him to have a family and and, and all this fear to to do that. And again, not to say that these aren't unfounded feelings of Mm -hmm. his, you know. I think that, that that's one of the reasons why I wanted to choose him is because this fear has a lot of foundation and experience. Mm-hmm. It's not, this is not a irrational fear. This is fear based off of his life and absolutely the fear of having a child who might be a werewolf like him. I have to go through the same persecution and the same pain that he's gone through. Yeah, I can see why that he'd be afraid of, of that and, and starting a family and bringing that pain onto someone else. But I, I think that it's a really powerful moment when Harry calls him out for that and you know, obviously they fight at first, but then he, he comes back and, and, you know, thanks Harry kind of uh, later on for it. But it's it's just, I think, a, a very interesting dynamic of when you look at fear in the main character, in the characters of the, the books. Um, he's not one that, that came to mind at first, but once I started thinking about it, it really kind of kind of struck me. Yeah, and I, I think even in book three, he didn't tell Dumbledore, mm. right, about the unregistered unregistered animagi and everything because yeah, that's a good point. he was just he was so afraid that one of the few people who believes in him despite the stigma around werewolves would 
lose their respect for him or be disappointed or send him away or, you know, whatever it was. And I I think that's one of the reasons he left, too. I don't think it was just that parents would be angry. I think once everything came out, you know, out in the open, I think it was hard for him to stay, too, in, in that regard. And, I mean, he yeah, he was just terrified the fact that he could have turned any of those students mm-hmm. into a werewolf like yeah i would be i would have a lot of fear surrounding that too and and i think that that's interesting and granted when when you look at it in terms of the end of of the series and and what happens it's it's not quite the same you can be like oh well i'm glad he at least was able to be with tonks for a little bit mm-hmm. but if you didn't know the end I would be like, you know, you got to work through some of these fears yeah. before you can be in a relationship or be a parent or any of these things, right? Because, yeah, they're realistically not going to go away mm-hmm. um, anytime soon. So, Yeah, agreed. And, and as someone who personally has dealt with fears of letting people down, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I, I guess I can, I can relate to, to Lupin a lot. In, in even more ways than I typically have because I've always really liked the character. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I just think it's an, an interesting interesting character to look at through that perspective. Yeah, I think I think that's... He's such an interesting character because he's in some ways so respectable and mm-hmm. in other ways just like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> like, you're great. Why are you being like this? Yeah, so, and and I think yeah. part of that might be because because he's so great, you hold hold him to a higher standard. Totally. But also, you know, unfortunately, with being a werewolf, when he does make mistakes, it does have a wider set of repercussions. For sure. You know, and when he does do things that are, you know, I, I guess to go to go to the um, amazing axiom from Spider Man, you know, with, with great <laughs> power comes great responsibility. Like he, you know. It, it's some in some ways a destructive power that he has, mm-hmm. you know, that he doesn't have control over, which might even increase the responsibility even further. And so when he doesn't meet that responsibility, it can be very disastrous. And yeah, him him allowing a werewolf himself to be out on the grounds of Hogwarts, like, yeah, it shows that him slipping up and doing something dumb has wider effects. Mm-hmm. So there, there should be fear there. Yeah. yeah. What about a plot? Did you bring a jingle plot for me? Yes, I did do my assigned <laughs> point. I one of one of us is better at doing homework than the other. Okay, we've established. One this. of us is in school right now, and it's not me. <laughs> so I want to talk about the Ministry of Magic. Okay, I've heard of them. Oh yeah, good. <laughs> I've only read the books like a billion times. So. Well, we've talked about before, back when we were talking about ignorance, I think, like how they interact with muggles. And so I think that that's super fear-based. We don't need to rehash that, but like that's a huge part of that and a bunch of their rules and things that they're allowed to do based on that fear. But then you also have, yeah, just the ministry's riddled with fear, Mm. right? You have the governors remove Dumbledore during book two with the with the chamber of secrets and i think part of i mean the biggest part is because of the fear the governors had of malfoy mm-hmm. right but so it's like it works kind of internally but also a bunch of parents are 
freaking out about everything and so it's just yeah it's like reacting in fear not necessarily because that's the smartest thing to do because obviously it's not Mm -hmm. but yeah that's what they did and then they remove Dumbledore uh, in book five from the Wisengamot Mm -hmm. and and then they're like oh well we're gonna put Harry on trial and try to expel him and like slander him even though like this is the person who saved the wizarding world. Like, why would you want this person to get expelled and not be able to practice magic anymore? And, oh yeah, by the way, if he gets expelled and his wand is snapped, that's the only thing that has worked against Voldemort this thus far, you know? And so it's just like these things, mm. these decisions that are being made, obviously a, a fair amount because of Fudge, are just like so fear-based. And it's so interesting to me because I think you do see this in, in the world and you, you see this in our politics, right? That, oh, well, I'm afraid I'm going to lose these donors if I don't vote this way on that. And then that'll cost me the next election. So even though this is bad for the environment or bad for the safety of people or, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to do this. And it's just based on these fears, even though, longevity wise like looking into the future it makes no sense and it's it's not it's not doing anything to help actually make you safer which usually you think of fears being based on Mm -hmm. right and so yeah they're a mess Uh, absolutely (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think the wizarding culture is one that's that's ruled so much by fear as a whole Mm -hmm. and ministry magic in particular is you know even look at the way that that they handle things in book four before things really start exploding but with Bertha Jorgen's disappearance and yeah. with the Triwizard Tournament and with everything going on like one of the reasons why Rita Skeeter is such an important character is because she is uncovering certain things that the ministry is trying to cover up because of their fear you know there mm-hmm. is no tra- it allows them to not be transparent and so the idea that they are a transparent, democratic institution is laughable. Yeah. Um, certainly <laughs> by the fourth book, but probably starting around second and third books. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. you, you realize how how ruled by fear they are, even as early as them removing Hagrid. I know, I was just thinking that too. Like, well, even though we're not going to give you a trial, we're not going to do any of this, we but don't we think just that... need to put someone away. Exactly. We just, what, what does it look like? You know, and they do the same thing with Stan Shunpike, you know, mm-hmm. like in, in book six, so... Yeah, there's a lot going on that I think just uh, they absolutely are, are ruled by fear in a lot of ways and, and as you exactly exactly as you mentioned, in a non-productive way. Well, and, and I was even thinking about to the extent of the, the traces, right, that they put on uh, underage magic, right? Why is that necessary? They could put it on certain spells, mm-hmm. right? But a kid who learned Lumos in charms class should be able to do that at home during you know christmas vacation or summer vacation like they can't even practice the things that they learned because there's so much fear around it and it's Mm -hmm. just sure don't let them do certain spells but yeah it's just ugh. agreed oh the ministry well and i i wonder how much of that is really just put in place because harry has no oversight of the dursleys so the ma- so the, they had to have some way that the Ministry of Magic itself could, you know, supervise Harry and any magic that he does while he's at the Dursleys, since he had no accountability to. It's possible, but it doesn't seem that way. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but but it, I I mean, even like a narrative structure, you know, mm-hmm. like that that's that's one of the reasons they did it. But yeah, it, it's it's very very um, irrational in a lot of ways of of mm-hmm. having it be the easiest way of handling these things because the the spell against Aunt Marge was not something that Harry did purposefully, and so mm-hmm. I'm sure there are tons of kids doing accidental magic all the time. Yeah, and is the ministry coming out for each one of those? Right, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, I'd like to be in the Harry Potter world, but in that way, <laughs> with the Ministry of Magic, mm. You're right. Luckily, we have such a capable and competent government here. Totally. It's nothing the same. No, not at all. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Before I spiral into depression, uh, I have a compelling question for you. Okay. So, as I was thinking about Lupin and fear, the quote that he says to Harry when he finds out that the Bogart would turn into a Dementor came to mind. Mm-hmm. Where he says that, Harry, I see that you know, what you actually fear most is fear itself. That's very wise. So mine's a two-part question. One. That's cheating. Deal with it. <laughs> One. Do you think that Harry actually feel, fears fear? And two. Do you think that it's wise to fear fear? I think that Harry fears what happens to him okay when a dementor is there i mean fears the dementor too because it's this super creepy unknown creature that has power over him to mm-hmm. knock him unconscious by doing nothing essentially and it, and if we look at it as he he fears what this thing can do to him i think in some ways he is fearing fear like he he fears that reaction from him he fears that he doesn't have any control over it there's nothing he can do and it's he's just overtaken by it which i mean i think that obviously has a role in you know fears about all sorts of things Mm -hmm. i think fearing fear is wise if it's thought about in a certain way if it's thought about in terms of you fear what fears can do to you, if you fear being, yeah, affected and afraid of something that you don't need to be afraid of, if it causes you to be a coward or to make the wrong decisions or to do these different things or not make the right decisions, like obviously it does with Lupin sometimes, mm-hmm. I think I think that's why to be afraid of anything being able to kind of control you in that way but being afraid of setting a fire out in the forest that's a good fear being afraid of driving your car a hundred miles an hour that's also a good fear so I, I i don't think all fears are i think some fears are wise and other ones are not mm-hmm. what about you yeah I, this is something that that even from a young age, I've always kind of struggled with this quote because mm-hmm. I feel like it's one of those quotes that is supposed to be showing like, oh, Lupin is such a great teacher and he's bonding with Harry. But I've never really bought it because mm-hmm. for me, the Dementors never represented fear. They represented, other than the fact that Harry fears them, mm-hmm. it's represented despair, you know? It's represented depression, mm-hmm. uh, especially since I've read about how, you know, J.K. Rowling apparently wrote about them kind of as a a metaphor for depression. Mm -hmm. But, like, for me, he's not fearing what happened with his parents and Voldemort and and that terrible traumatic event. He's 
experiencing it and feeling the depression from it, you know, and, and despair that he gets from hearing his mother die. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I see it as him being in fear because of what the Dementors do to him. I see him fearing the Dementors, mm-hmm. but to me, it, it's not that he's fearing fear, it's that he's fearing despair. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, I just, I guess I never just really bought that that line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that, that I agree with you on, on the idea of, of, yeah, some fears are are useful and i think that the idea of fearing fear kind of leads to just a spiral that that is unhelpful but i I do i do think harry fears yeah just completely losing control Mm -hmm. and like him not being able to do anything against it right so i think there's fear involved but yeah i think what's actually happening in his mind when the Dementors are near is, yeah, so much more despair and tragedy than fear. Yeah. For sure. Well, what's your compelling question for me? So my compelling question is, we know the quote that fear of the name increases fear of the thing itself, Mm -hmm. right? And there's all of this fear around the name Voldemort, why do you think that is? Like, how did that get established Mm. that people feared it so much that, like, people, like, scream and, like, drop things and everything just when they hear this name? I was actually thinking about bringing this question, too. Oh. Um, So, yeah, I have a couple, like, ideas of what it possibly could be where, like, you know, because every time the Death Eater hears Harry or anyone else use the Dark Lord's name, they get upset about it you know Mm -hmm. and so i wonder how much of that when they had the power to not just get upset and snape to chastise harry but to actually torture and kill the people who show that kind of disrespect um Mm -hmm. like i I just listened to a podcast yesterday uh this week's this american life episode was about killings by i think ms13 a specific gang in 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 long Beach or in long island that um they would kill people who were uh, disrespecting their colors, who are wearing the kinds of things that they would wear, even though they weren't part of that gang, and mm. so they would kill just because that disrespect. Mm-hmm. And like that's kind of what that reminds me of is this idea of like, oh, if you you think that you are so that you are safe to use the Dark Lord's name, like you're gonna have to be taught a lesson. And then I think that that probably built over the eleven years, where you know people had already just gotten kind of worried about saying it at all and then it just started building a taboo um onto it where it started being yeah almost like a superstition not to mention especially in a fear-laden society like that (laughs) i think so much of of the world of harry potter they try they've tried to distance themselves from the wizarding war or so much that they pretend it doesn't happen or they try not to think about it or talk about it at all you Mm -hmm. know and so talking about it at all would be kind of a taboo subject. And then talking about actually talking about Voldemort is just almost the extreme level of obscenity that you could do in that way. Where it's just, it's not like the idea of polite conversation. What do you think? Yeah, because I, I was thinking about something along those lines. I, I think it's interesting that 
he bothered to figure out a way to be like, oh, I'm going to change my name using my, <laughs> like... An anagram of exactly. his name. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go to that trouble, make people know me as this, <laughs> and then not allow them to use the name, which is just kind of funny, but also seems like something he would do. That's hilarious. And I wonder if part of it, the fact that the his own closest followers the death eaters they don't even use his name Mm -hmm. and i wonder if and like they're upset when people do and i wonder if he would torture them if they used it too Mm -hmm. you know and it would just be kind of like this cycle that would then be used on others as well i can totally see that yeah and then then i think it gets so interesting when they start putting a trace on it, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, oh, people are starting to not fear this enough anymore or they're being brazen enough to say this name, which means they don't fear us. So we're going to use it against them to force them again into not using it because if they use it, you know, they'll be killed. So... Yeah, he's really hung up on his name. He really is, yeah. (laughs) But I do, what I think is very odd, and and maybe it's just, you know, early writing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I don't think any Muggle-born should have a reaction to the name. Yeah, I agree. They've never heard it before. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know why Hermione just wouldn't use it from the beginning. Totally, and and I think that that's shown in how Harry uses it. You know, mm-hmm. like Harry's not doing exactly. it at first because you know he is defined. Exactly, mm-hmm. he, he's doing it because he, can't, he doesn't know any better. And like, yeah, Hermione should should do the same. I also wonder if there it's written that way. You know, like is it written as the Dark Lord and you know who in the books that she's read, mm-hmm. and is that why? But like even then, that doesn't socialize a taboo, mm-hmm. really. You know, she doesn't see like why does she flinch? You know, I can see yeah. her not using it. But the mm-hmm. idea that she flinches like other characters, yeah. I totally agree is bad writing. Although, unless, the only unless. thing I could think of was if he somehow put some sort of, like, curse on the name. Mm. Which I could see him doing, yeah. right? So, like, there is this kind of visceral reaction that happens whenever the name is uttered. And maybe Harry doesn't see that because he's a horcrux. Exactly. That's interesting. I, I like that. Yeah, I can dig it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Another new headcanon. <laughs> Oh, that's justifying rolling all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm a comic book fan. Like, so much of being a comic book fan is creating your own headcanons for oh, yeah. why things make sense. Oh, that, because, that's too hard for me. Yeah, but... no, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh. So, what is your missed opportunity? My missed opportunity is that for a trio of characters who are characterized so much by their bravery, mm-hmm. we don't see them afraid very much. We don't see Harry, Ron, Hermione feel that much fear, you know? I think that really the times that we do see it is with Ron's fear of spiders, which is kind of played off as a joke, mm-hmm. especially in the movies. And then the few times that Harry is afraid when he's tackling, like, the Bogart. And I do see that kind of bravery there, but... For me, I think bravery is this idea of of confronting your fears, you know, not being held back by your fears. I think not, that's not just not being affected. Exactly. Someone mm-hmm. who's just not afraid, that's not brave, that's stupidity. 
mm-hmm. you know that that's that's brazenness and arrogance and i think harry I mean, they has have that, that too that's the thing no that's the thing <laughs> i think that harry has that i think that harry sometimes yeah. is arrogant and brazen he he has hubris not bravery you know because mm-hmm. sure there's there's an element of him doing these things that would scare most people but we don't see how it scares him mm-hmm. and that's something i think they should they could have done more of in yeah. the books and movies is is show how they're brave because they're actually you know standing up in ways that are difficult for them it's why i think that neville in the first book mm-hmm. is so powerful as a kid i kind of just saw it as like a oh neville like he gets like a little kind of arc for himself or he gets to like <laughs> you know win the win the cup for everyone and things like that but i think that he like he actually has something where early in the thing early in the book he is afraid you know mm-hmm. he doesn't want to stand up for himself and then he finally stands up at the end and that is awesome that shows this character development through bravery through an overcoming of fear and i, I think that that's that's really wonderful and i wish that they had done more of that with 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 the trio yeah yeah i i definitely agree especially as kids i don't know you think that you'd be afraid of more stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> but i do, i do think that they like they're afraid of the forbidden forest right going in there they're afraid of i mean uh, harry i feel like in it's not necessarily posed as fear but i think he's afraid all the time of what other people think of him mm-hmm. that and it often comes out as anger but i think it's just rooted in fear mm-hmm. and and he's afraid of asking Dumbledore things or telling Dumbledore the truth. And and I think Hermione's afraid for them a lot because they are brazen and dumb. And she's like, um, no. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think Ron's afraid of being insignificant, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think it, it comes up a lot in the plot when they're actually dealing with, like, terrifying things. But I think that there's kind of underlying things in there if if you notice them but they're a little more subtle than stark fears but yeah i mean if i were at hogwarts i would be afraid any you know care of magical creatures class (laughs) basically i would be terrified (laughs) yeah agreed but i i think i think that you you're absolutely right a lot of it just isn't tied into the main narrative yeah because I don't see Harry as that afraid of Voldemort. Mm-hmm. I see him yeah. traumatized by Voldemort after mm-hmm. book four, but I don't see him afraid of him. I, I I can't imagine that in book seven, after Dumbledore, you know, was gone, that Harry would stop himself from attacking Voldemort unless he knew that he had to take the Horcruxes out first, you mm-hmm. know? I think that Harry would have just gone and done that. And and maybe that's because he is brave and that he would do it regardless of the fact that he's afraid. But again, we don't see that fear of Voldemort mm-hmm. really. And and yeah. that's something that I think we could see we could have done well with. I mean, I totally agree. And and I think maybe part of that has like comes from when things work out enough for you, you might be less afraid. That's true. Like Yeah. Yeah. What about your missed opportunity? So my missed opportunity is around Bogarts, actually. Hmm. Because Harry has a very good and valid one. And 
Obviously, Lupin does too. Mm-hmm. Later, we see Mrs. Weasley. Mm-hmm. All of her family, like, dead, right? And and then you just look back at the rest of the class and you're like, really? You're scared of... I mean, yeah, as I said, spiders, yes. But that wouldn't be my worst fear. Like, that, like at age 13, it's, it's not like they're five, you know? And so I think it, it just could have been really interesting if they just had more interesting ones mm-hmm. that you heard about and it never went into it just to add some depth to the characters like oh lavender's afraid of a burning building or you know just like normal things that people are usually afraid of or mm-hmm. oh look or at things that they've been traumatized by yeah like or like i mean i get it's a kid's book and you don't want to be super traumatizing to your readers. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, someone breaking in, you know, things like that that when I was a kid I remember having a lot more fear about mm. versus, like, oh, it's a clown or something. Like, that's yeah, not... Yeah, there's, like, there's a mummy. There was, like, a cut-off hand. There was a banshee, a banshee for Seamus because he's Irish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, like... What if it was like, oh, someone's family being taken away? Or, you know, things like that that I think, unless all of these kids just happen to have super privileged lives, which I just doubt in a class with that many people, you're going to, yeah, you're going to have some real fears. And I kind of think that that would have been a good addition. Absolutely. I think that particularly with Hermione, it's just so sad that mm-hmm. she literally just like the Bogart turns into McGonagall telling her she failed like <laughs> I mean it's hilarious it is hilarious but that is such I think a failure of the opportunities that they had there. yeah yeah and and like if it was oh if it's your biggest fear at the moment mm-hmm. most of those wouldn't work mm-hmm. right but hers would because she was doing her exams right so I could kind of see that but that's not how it was portrayed right. and the only other person who has another one that I think is valid is is Neville right mm-hmm. like I think he would have a more valid fear of like oh, totally. Bellatrix breaking out or you know something like that but Snape is a very present fear for him exactly. on a daily basis yeah, he's so constantly abused by this person yeah like. I think that totally works but yeah I mean I think Hermione is so smart she thinks five steps ahead Mm -hmm. like yeah i think she would have a fear of voldemort returning and you know things like that like that would that would be hers so yeah i agree yeah so smart (laughs) do what i can so i guess we just have our 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 wrap-up our our lessons learned or takeaways yeah i think for me my takeaway is that I'm seeing more about how core a defining feature fear can be for characters. Mm-hmm. How when you look at fear, it can really tell you a lot about what those characters' priorities are and values are and vulnerabilities are. And that I think that especially looking at Lupin and Harry today, I've kind of picked up a lot more about yeah how how these characters do or do not fear things and what that says about their kind of interior their interiority Mm -hmm. yeah and to kind of 
jump off of that, I think if we don't deal well with certain of our fears, I think it's a lot less likely we'll be able to deal well with other ones later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's what we see, right? Yeah. We see, like, recurring things that continue happening with these characters. And and sometimes it leads to devastating results. Yeah. So, hashtag fear bad most of the time. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes fear good. Sometimes fear useful. Fear complicated. Fear complicated. That's a good one. <laughs> putting it, yeah. Hashtag fear complicated. <laughs> we're sorry sort of um well before we move on to next week we actually have a a new segment or a new i mean not really a segment it's just like oh whoa this happened this is our new segment nerd news (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) where we talk about something that that we kind of learned about and it just happened today as we're recording or right before earlier as we, we were recording not as we were recording, we weren't no. even paying attention we were scrolling on our phones that's absolutely true no <laughs> um it happened today before we recorded that uh the new crimes of grindelwald trailer launched and in it we saw that the asian actress is playing the genie mm-hmm. and so from my reading and, and what kind of quotes from jk rowling and things like that it seems well that if you don't if you don't want to know ahead of time just fast forward a little good call yes Potential spoilers alerts, because this is all based off of what I've read online. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems that, that there's a Animagus-like uh, type of character that is all females who um, can turn can shapeshift into an animal, but they stop being able to control it as they get older. And so I guess Najini is that type of witch, and she stops being able to control it and eventually turns evil, because it sounds like she's not evil in this first movie at least. So I think that's interesting, but uh, yeah, I guess, what, what are your thoughts on this news? I mean, I think it's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be more appropriate if it were of men not being able to control mm-hmm. things because hashtag men. Yeah, it kind of bothers me that it's like, oh, look, a woman can't control her powers. I think it would be very interesting if the root of this of people becoming like this was some special type of curse Mm -hmm. that like men put on women Mm. because they didn't like you know anything about them in particular because that's that's what happens right and so they would do this to them you know in this like a terrible domineering way of like Mm. you're pushing back at work or oh you refuse my proposal or you know whatever it would be and maintain that control vindictive that does sound really interesting that would be fascinating to me and i think that could be good if it actually addressed those social issues Mm. um that would be involved in that i don't really have strong confidence that that's what it'll be but i think without that which is likely going to be without that yeah i think it's it's it can be disturbing obviously we haven't seen it yet Mm -hmm. but the idea can be very disturbing of like this dehumanization of of women and then what happens to her in particular of this intense like violation Mm -hmm. of voldemort using magic 
on on this other sentient being to then control it Mm -hmm. and and that's that's terrifying not that it would be put past voldemort but it's i think it's problematic yeah agreed especially because it's not like we're going to be able to see more about voldemort and genie's conversations Mm -hmm. you know later on in this movie right we're getting this kind of retcon of what happened beforehand that nuances Nijini's character in the books and the movies that we already have but Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily correspond with like from what we know now of those books and movies it kind of paints it in definitely a problematic light I'd say Mm -hmm. um and so I'm I'm interested in what they'll do I think that it's an interesting mirror to just the first Fantastic Beasts movie where it was another kind of uncontrollable magical aspect and Mm -hmm. so I think that if that's kind of a theme that they're going for is is these Mm -hmm. how magic can in some ways just be uncontrollable at times and and how that Mm -hmm. affects people you know I think that can be very interesting but yeah it's it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting seeing how one of the few characters of color is being used this way and of course as you mentioned all all the the issues with gender and Mm -hmm. the you know objectification of women and the domination of women mm-hmm. um, so we'll, we'll have to see yeah so we shall yeah we'll wrap up our nerd news segment for today <laughs> you enjoy that so much i do alliteration's fun <laughs> so what about next week next week we'll be talking about lord of the rings again we will and what's our our theme gonna be for lord with lord of the rings oh wait before that should we read our new reviews oh yeah, yeah. i guess we could do that well, should we do that at before? Should we do that after? That's what we usually do. Oh, do we? Okay. So, let's see. We're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings and Hope. Ooh, Hope. Another another second. Yeah. Exciting. Well, as you mentioned, we have a couple more reviews. So, first we got a review from Hayat Samson. He wrote, In-depth critiques of the nerd culture I love. Fantastic analysis of the story and characters both in and out of fiction covering all sides of the topic in question. I now have new ammo for my conversations with friends and coworkers around these topics. Love it! Um, which is very much appreciated. Thanks, Samson. <laughs> it's almost like you know him. It's almost like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I've, I've known Samson for over 20 years now. Yeah, thanks for listening, bro. But we also got one from Homegirl Please. <laughs> Homegirl Plus. Another five-star review saying, It has increased my geek powers. Which uh, I'm also happy that we were able to do. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but we also have a number of other five-star ratings that we've gotten without comments, which we really appreciate. So thank you very much if you've left us a five-star rating, um, even without a review. And and any any rating or review, give us on any platform, be it Apple Podcasts as the most helpful, but also on Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere else is, is really, really appreciated. So thank you. Thank you all very, very much. I think we're going to wrap up now, so thank you all very much for listening. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor-Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. With that, we're going to see you next week. Until then, geek out! out.